0: My heart was racing that day, the whole day, I like so nervous because I was the new guy there. Some even have never met me and then I'm going to pitch like, oh, send me away for a year and uh, see what happens.
1: Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And we are back with a new episode of Social Convos. It's Tuesday. You know what time it is. I'm your host, Diego, with on my right, my co-host, Shan Luc. And Sean Luc, I'm excited to talk about the topic for today because it's something that's uh, very been normalized. In announcements, uh, we already teased it a bit. But before we go into that, Sean Luke. Something happened to me today. Tell me,
2: tell me, I really want to hear.
1: I think for the first time, I really experienced FOMO.
2: (laughs) And it was NFT related.
1: Yes. And it is the one project we we talked about. We we could mention it uh, later at the end, but yeah, for the first time, I actually because when they revealed everything today, the launch, the drop is tomorrow. Yeah. And I wasn't alone in the chat. I was chatting with a few of our other common friends and yeah, both of us felt FOMO. But enough of that. How is are things in you for with you for NFT Land and then
2: Well, i i, I mean there's so many NFT drops happening, like so many happening this week. Packs coming on, a new pack coming out on Splinter Land, a new pack coming out on an NBA Top Shot. Like eternity is coming out with a Sha- a Shaquille O'Neal NFT, the NFT you just talked about all happening. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm like, where, first of all, I don't have the time to research them. That hurts me the most because I we're busy with the social media, conference so I have no time to research them because we're busy finalizing the program. And I can finally say that we've decided like, we're not adding any more, anything anymore to the program. It's already 20 talks. It's already over 40 speakers. I think we've done enough to secure that this will be a good year. And I'm happy that we can leave it at that. But without further ado, let's, let's go to our guests because I think it's definitely interesting to talk a little bit about our guests. And for me, it's, it's always fun when I speak to old classmates, but like also old school members, like people that I went to school with. And it's always interesting to see which year, and I don't remember a lot from, from high school, I don't remember a lot from, 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 from any, any school related stuff, but I do remember like being like 11 going to Athenaeum and like, as you can see still, the facial hair game is not that strong and I still don't look as mature. But I do remember like, for instance, at at teenage, a teenage year, our guests already looked like He was going to be like uh, a man and a handsome man. And I was just like like a little guy. So that's, that's one of the things I do really remember. And it's always fun. I always had fun speaking with Saif whenever we didn't put that much effort, especially me, so sorry for that Saif. We never, I never put in that much effort to, to catch up or ask questions. But when he told me that he was coming, actually he we spoke once and then I completely let it go. And then the second time he was like, listen, I'm, I'm back in Suriname. I was like, yes, okay, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. I'm not going to forget it this time. And even then, he had to wait a couple of uh, weeks because I'm not as active on LinkedIn as I should be. I always like, I'm going to be more active on LinkedIn. So you don't have any idea how grateful I am to finally bring this topic to social confos, but also how grateful I am to have Saif here in the studio with us. So Saif, welcome to Social Convos. And I'm so glad we made it happen. And I'm also so glad that we got to meet up this time around when you're in Suriname. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, indeed. It was quite, quite, quite some communication back and forth indeed. But I, yeah, I I did see your posts coming by on on Facebook, on social media, and I always thought it's kind of interesting what you do and yeah, kind of wanted to be part of that. For sure. And I, I do remember actually a, a little bit about when we, when we went to school together. It was the first year. It was also my first year that I, that I came to Suriname, so to say, and, and I came to, to the name. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I also, I don't remember a lot, but I, I, I do remember you. But I remember you as being like quite tall, uh, a little bit But tall, slanky, but, very slanky. But slanky, yeah. 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 And uh, good at sports and stuff. That's the that, that, that thing I remember.
2: Yeah, that's, it's, it's a long time ago. I stopped sports when I got kids. I I definitely want to get back at it because I feel I'm not as good anymore. But the interesting part is you took the road that I wanted to take. that after high school in Suriname to study in Rotterdam at Erasmus. I was going to do that. Then I took a leap year, which is also something that is becoming more popular now, but then I took a leap year and I ended up in Tilburg for some reason. But you went to Erasmus. You finished your studies at Erasmus, and then, okay, you are you've spent part of your childhood in Suriname. How big was the itch after your studies to go back, and how much was there an itch to like, no, I want to stay in the Netherlands and start working here?
0: Yeah, that, that that's a good question. So for me, I, I kind of like rolled into work. So I'd say, like, I started working already while I was like on under on Erasmus itself, because IT and, and and web development, it was just like some, like a really big passion for me. And I, I wanted to dig into it as, as soon as I could. So while I was, while I was studying, I already was looking at certain companies, etc. and Sona was a little bit far away for me. I know there, I knew there were some roles available. There were some companies that would hire IT people, but there was not something concrete. And in the Netherlands, like IT people are, yeah, are, are well sought after. So yeah, I I just started, started working there, got a job and like got a contract and yeah, got got a home there and yeah, didn't think about going back yet. So
2: there are a lot of developers or a lot of IT related people watching to the live version of this podcast, you did, okay. you did full stack development. I have, to, I don't want to go into the over, overrated, underrated yet, but like okay. what, what were like the, the cool projects that you got to do in the Netherlands that you were like, okay, this is, this is cool to start off like as, as a starting, a starting IT specialist that you got to work on. Yeah. So
0: one, one thing always um got my attention was web development doing things for the web because I think I like it because it's very fast. You like write a bunch of code and you just refresh the browser and yeah you see something pop up. It's like very fast, very creative. And for example back end development or application development it takes a it, it takes a while. For for example back end if you work on like servers etc You, you do build something, but it's not like instantly visible and instantly able to share it with friends and stuff. So, so that was very exciting for me. So every time when I was looking for a job, I was kind of looking for web development. But every time they hired me for, for backend development, so to say, so doing server code and stuff like that. But all like the front end part came into play, working with JavaScript, working with like previously with HTML, things like that, CSS. And yeah, it it just like always came in my path to do full stack, do everything. I was also very like nosy, like going into all the things and finding out how things work. And yeah, it's always very exciting to me. That answers your question.
1: And just to stay on this topic, just for a little bit on the topic of full-stack, as information technology expands, because the jobs, the specialties within IT, it it just keeps growing. Now you got blockchain as well, et cetera, and everything. So in the context of full-stack, how realistic is it still to be considered full-stack? And how do you define full-stack for yourself now?
0: Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a great question. Again, pretty controversial also, especially in, in, in some, in some companies, when you ask that, because there's like two camps, there's people that say, oh, full stack is, is a real thing, like you can know like literally every stack and you can work with every stack. And then there's the people that say, oh, you cannot be full stack. If you want to build something great, you need to have like a bunch of professionals that really know. The exact way a piece of software works, or a programming language works, and I'm I'm also kind of divided in the middle, and and I would say the definition of a full stack developer, you do have a certain set of tools where you are proficient in. For example, for me, that would be React in the front end, um, that would be Node.js, JavaScript. From from those things, that program language, I know um, a lot about. I can tweak the system. I can Spot things that are not not well not well designed and and optimize things, and then there's languages that I can work with. For example, in one of the companies, I had to work with Xcode, like the the programming language for Apple and and an iPhone for for app development. And that's all. It's a whole other thing, like how that works and how you optimize for that. It's like so different for. To example Java or, or JavaScript or, or PHP, but I I could fix certain bugs and I could implement certain features because the the kind of concepts are the same, same to say if that makes sense. So you can you can work with it, and I think that is a that's a full stack developer. And also, what a full stack developer is, I would say, it's somebody who likes to work with different types of technologies. Somebody who is eager to When he, when he or she sees a piece of software wants to dig into it, see how it works, see how, how things could be tweaked and and things like that. But if you, if you ask me the full stack developer, that's somebody that knows everything of every programming language. That's a hard one. It could be if you're a genius, but I would say the truth lies somewhere, somewhere in between.
2: I have to ask the question to both of you. Like, when did you guys start feeling because you're more, You're both more technical than I am. I only know basic HTML and CSS, but like where, at what point in time did the switch really become that CMS was getting like more standardized and everything was great either? Well, now it's almost no code, but back there already, when, when did the switch occur when people started to be like, okay, we just, we just take a CMS and we just start using the CMS and we don't code websites from scratch anymore. Where did it for you guys start to shift?
1: Uh, I, I can take this one first. For me, it was, yeah, so for your information safe, I actually did information technology as well as the university. I started okay. with basic front end, some basic databases, SQL, et cetera. And at the end of my time at university, I, I kind of had to make a choice. Do I want to go into you know the, the development side, the programming side, or do I want to go more the design side, because I was also doing design, photography, visual stuff. Okay. And for me, it was, I, I can do it, I understand it, but I really wasn't feeling, you know, joy or a continuous drive to keep problem solving. I know I could do it if I, you know, s- just sat down behind a PC, eight hours straight, solve a minuscule problem, but then you reach a point of diminishing returns and I opted to go the other route for design, okay. visual. Uh, problem solving. I understand the code. I understand the concepts and I want to bridge that language into actual interface in interfacing with the human. So it it was around that time that I decided to make that paradigm shift completely. That was it for me.
0: For me, you you also asked like when did that shift happen to that that the CMS became more and more standardized? Yeah, I would say like in, in the beginning and then I'm talking about like 10 years ago, we had things like Joomla, if you if you
2: remember that, and like boards, would. Joomla was big here. And Drupal was kind of big here as well. There were a couple of others. There were a couple hey. of others. WordPress, hey, 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 hey. real really WordPress. I was pushing for WordPress because of these, but like ten years ago, people were like, "Nah, that's that's not something we right. consider Sit the development, you know." <laughs> exactly.
1: It's yeah. it's only now that I I in my perspective that WordPress has kind of taken the mainstream, yeah, and the, the mainstream side. And also, there's other build site builders that've been popping up with React front end that you can drag and drop, and that's very yeah. reactive, responsive. And they have these uh, subscription services for twelve dollars a month that you can build a super easy website. Now you got platforms like Squarespace, etc. So exactly. I think it's become more consumer-centric than developer-centric so, to get something quickly onto market. Because exactly. Back in the day, you had to code everything from scratch and then you spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on a website, but then you have no visitors. Then you have no people paying exactly. to con consumer. So I, I think that's when the paradigm shift happens, become more user-centric.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree with that. And, but what, what you do see sometimes is, even though they have their, their CMS system and to, to start up like very rapidly with like almost no cost, no code, just build something, get it out. But as soon as like the, the customer base grows and you want to have those more advanced features or certain things break the system or you want to grow, then you see they they hire a bunch of in-house developers or make even start with freelancers and then slowly transition into in-house developers and build their own system. Like rebuild the no code system or the WordPress system, but in their own like flavor. But it takes a lot of money. Developers are, are pretty expensive.
2: Yeah. I want to jump into that. Developers are expensive. First of course, finally says uh, Dreamweaver days. Yeah. We all remember Dreamweaver. Oh, that was such an awesome okay. feeling that you were already creating beforehand. And Gregory wants to point out that Diego trimmed his beard. Look, I was already thinking like <laughs> Diego's looking fresh today. I wanted to make that note. But for those of you who are, are listening to the audio version, Diego is looking super fresh. And I have a question for you. If because Farley is saying don't full-stack developers usually get exploited, is is that something that's that rings a bell or sounds familiar.
0: Yeah, another another great question. Exploited in the sense of they expect us to do everything. Maybe it 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 could be you 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 can get like two two kinds of people also. Let's say let's say I have a manager and there, there's two types also. There's one that says like, oh, it's impossible. You could do you can do everything. You're just doing front end, even though you're you're full stack. You cannot do everything. Just focus on that. Get that done and then there's there's other types of managers that would say like okay you're full stack okay here's here's a, a cobalt system of like the the 1900 something and please fix that for me so in a sense yeah you you, you could say there's there's ways full stack developers can exploit they expect us to everything and most most uh, managers or product owners don't know no, different programming languages they just know there's a bug somewhere you're a full stack developer. Go on. And yeah, you figure it out. Innocent. Yeah. you figure it out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, okay. Last question until we move from, from the, the, the full, uh, tech development days to, to what we're actually going to talk about. What you Nochi know you, from Neil, he wants to know a little bit. What's the link? Is there a strong link between Erasmus and web development?
0: No, that's, that's a funny story actually. So. The study I did, it's called, it was called Informatica and Economy, so Information Technology and Economics. And a lot of the teachers there didn't think that study fits in the Erasmus University. They thought Erasmus University was something for, for higher education. So something for managers and something for like, for like top level like CEOs and things like that. Some of them thought like, we're not going to teach you how to do development because that's, to to, to be ahead of IT, you don't know how, you don't, you don't need to know how to write code. And that's also quite a controversial um, topic because there's two camps in that too. I personally think if you're an IT manager, you should know something about IT and something about development and know what's possible, what's not possible and follow the market, but there, yeah, yeah, there. They, what they were saying was, as a manager, you don't know, don't need to know anything about coding at all. You're a manager of the IT development.
2: eventually they- It's very controversial indeed. I can (laughs) imagine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, okay, you only need to know how to manage, but you don't need to, it's yeah, it's the, it, 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 for me, Diego, it pretty much has the clothes and the dirt feeling, like the university saying like, you don't need the dirt part and like in reality, you do need to the therefore it because otherwise, like somebody, your team can tell you something, and it's like you don't, you don't, you can't control it. You don't even know if it's true or not because you you yeah. can't actually have a look at it because you don't understand it. So, yeah, I think it's very controversial. So, yeah, I can
1: I can yeah. imagine bridging that gap is important. Uh, yeah, go ahead, save.
2: Yeah,
0: but eventually, the year like one or two years after, um, they stopped that 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 study. It's not. Given anymore on the Erasmus. So you cannot do IT anymore Ending Erasmus
2: University. It's, it stopped after that. So you protested um, it. it. So you an you're an yeah. extinct, you're an extinct species. Just like yeah, myself, yeah. my studies, my, <laughs> the lecture studies is not, lecture studies is not available anymore at the Tilburg University either. It moves to a different educational program.
1: Hey, that yeah, only for goes for Italian. Joke to set.
2: Oh, you're, you're so in NFT space right now. Yeah, so uh, that's too bad.
1: It, it's crazy. <laughs> but co- coming back to Saif, so then let's switch it up a bit. As we transition to the second part, you've worked at many IT companies, big companies. And as we transition to the other part, I, I want to know how, in your experience and what you've seen from other professionals in the space, how often do programmers, developers switch from company, and how easy is it to reach a like a, a ceiling at a company for your skills, et cetera, and then you decide, oh, I need to move on or try something new. How often does this switch happen? that's that's
0: that's a very, very personal thing. so and and there's also like different types of programmers in a company. For example, you have the freelancers or uh, the contractors. They usually stick around for, for a little bit of time and, and then they, then they move on. And then, then you have like the, the employees that are in-house. And from my experience, they usually tend to stay for a prolonged amount of years. I would say at least five, six years until the project is ended. Or um, like, for example, what did, what happened with me at my first like professional company? I was there for six years and I was kind of like, um the prince of the company like we were the, the it people that knew everything every single thing about the system you could wake me up like 2am and and ask me, like how do i fix this line of code and it would i could tell you exactly which file which line of code and yeah eventually it's super cool to 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 have something like that because you're you're kind of like unmissable for the company so you you have this like great feeling of of, of power but on the other hand, you're you're very much in your comfort zone, and you're not growing as as much as, as as you could. There's some people that are quite happy in that comfort zone. They stay there for ten years. They they like it. They enjoy it. When new people come, they bully them a little bit, like oh, like uh, yeah, like oh, you don't know this, you don't know that. I'm going to show you this and that. But for me, it, it was cool for for a couple of years. But eventually, I I, I had to make that switch to to another company. Yeah. You know? If if that answers your question.
1: Yeah. So it's very, very personal. And then uh, Farley snuck in another question and then we'll transition. What is the future of web dev let's say 20 years from now? And do you guys expect a drastic change in the way things are done today? Especially with a lot of automation and everything that's been integrated.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty cool question. Yeah. I, I think, I think our jobs
1: will like switch
0: a lot and, and that's like, one of the things I, I find personally that that a a, a good a web developer or a good developer has you should be able to 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 switch like uh, what the market asks from you. I'll always try to be up to date, know what's out there, know what's play, and 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 try to to switch. What what I see happening is that there's a, a lot of things about no code, for example, building applications without code or or serverless applications building an application without a server, but those kinds of systems also need developers to be created. So kind of switching from making that, that end product, you kind of switch to making the thing that makes the end product. So, so you, you, you kind of switch. And under the hood, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You're still writing code. You're, yeah, you're still basically doing the same thing, just a little bit different. And and with AI, for example, I'm also doing some machine learning and creating like genetic algorithms and things like that. So there's a whole lot of stuff um, going on there, a whole lot of work there. And yeah, I, I think it will, it will just like switch and, and we have to adapt to that switch.
1: Yeah. So adaptability is very important. And exactly. as you said, you've switched from companies a few times, but then what made you decide to make the big switch to going? remote to going on this journey of, you know, being in a country every few weeks or every few months and going on that journey. What yeah. made you decide to do that crazy move from, you know, a stable job at a company office, everything? Okay.
0: Yeah. So as I, as I said, I was like six years in, in, in a company in the Netherlands, in, in The Hague. And yeah, as I said, I was, yeah, they called us the princes of the company we would know Know everything and yeah, and very much in the comfort zone. And I, I did want to grow. I did want to see other companies because it was also like a, a, a quite small company. I would say like about twenty employees in total, and then a software development team of, of four or five. And I wanted to see something more, like like one of those like big software IT companies that that you heard of, that you hear of. You know. So when I was working, I, I went online in my spare time looking for a new a new job. Nothing about remote still. I didn't even know that was a thing and that people travel and work. So I went online looking for just a new job. And then I went on Facebook and I saw this ad for Remote Year. And what this company does, Remote Year, is it, it brings people, you, you sign up and you pay like a monthly fee. And then for a year, they bring you around the, the world in 12 different cities. And you stay in a city each uh, month. So one month, a different city all over the world, Europe, Africa, Asia, and um, South America. But one of the things is you needed to have your own remote job to pay for it. They would give you tickets for for the fee. They would do all the logistics for you. They would give you a place to live. They would give you a place where you could do your remote job. And there were certain events and there was just, there's a kind of social aspect to it. There's a community. But you needed that, that remote job to, to participate because else, how are you going to pay the bills or you need to be super rich? That, that would be too, but yeah, I was looking for a job and not, yeah, not to travel and stuff. So I I closed the browser and just went on, on, on my job search. And then I found this nice company in Rotterdam called Simhook. Bigger IT company, there were five development teams. About 200 employees, everything was like, like an oil machine. So to say, everything was, was working like great software. And I thought, okay, it's, it, it's a new job, a new challenge for me. They eventually, they offered me a contract in in Rotterdam. And I said, cool, let's do it. And yeah, when I started working there, there was one team in particular that was working remote. They were in Poland because salaries are a little bit cheaper there. so. There was one team that did the testing and stuff like that. And it was still capable for. And again, I, I was on Facebook one of the days and I saw the ad again. And then I thought, wait a minute, the company has remote workers and I kind of can afford it, so let me send them an email and, and, and see what happens. So I sent an email to remote here saying, what does it take to, to, to join you all in, 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 in this journey? And. Then there was this, this, this girl called Jeanette and she said, hey, let's let's hop on call and, and, and we'll see from there. And I said, sure, sure, let's, let's go for it. And then we went on call and she explained the whole thing to me. We have to bring you around the world. You pay just a fee and just with your, with your suitcase and yeah, and, and do your remote job. But then she said, but there's one thing you need to convince your boss to send you for a whole year on over the world and still pay you and still do your job. And you got two weeks to do that, to convince your boss because the program is getting full. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's way too much for me. I just started this job. I'm not gonna convince my boss now after a month that he needs to send me all around the world. So yeah, I kind of closed the the laptop again. And and, yeah, next day I I went on my desk, was reading the, the morning paper. And then, and and usually the the, the big boss, like the CEO, you don't see him often, you know, in in, in a big company, it's like once a month you see him somewhere. And then this this morning, I can remember it vividly. He, He just like walked into our office and asked like, how's everybody doing? Is everybody good? I'm like, what? Should I just go and ask for a meeting? Should I just do it? I was like questioning, thinking. And I said, okay, I need to stop thinking right now. I'm just going to go to him and just going to tell him. So I went to him and I asked him like, Hey, I got this plan. Uh, can I, can I get like 10 minutes from you? And then he said, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in a rush right now, but come back later today. So I, I went back later. Yeah. I created out some, some things about the remote here. And then I went to him and I said like, I have this plan to, to go for a year. I'll do this and this, it will look good for the company also kind of and I said like it's gonna be the future of work. It's gonna be how people will work in the future, how IT will operate. And I said also like we can build the offices so that remote work will be will be something will be
1: something something good. So you basically built a mini pitch deck to see to show how it benefit the company.
0: Exactly, exactly. That that was kind of my thing that it would benefit the company also in, in kind of remote work and, and that it would But little did I know that two years later, because it was 2018 back then, I'm talking about like almost four years ago, um, but now remote work, but we'll we'll come to that later. But yeah, it was like a mini pitch for for the company. And he said like, okay, cool plan. Looks pretty nice. Looks pretty good. But I'm the CEO of the company. I cannot tell you um, what to do. You need to talk to the manager. You need to talk to the team and this and that. I'm like, okay, we're back to square one right now so then i talked to jeanette again and she said like i have this presentation for you like kind of tweak it in, in your own way make it make it look good and then try to convince the people so i took this presentation made it like like in the simple style for the company and like benefits for the company that it would save them cost it would save them because we would get like free lunch and stuff like that that they didn't have to give me them and all kind of benefits in the office i would save. So put it all in, in a presentation, I invited the whole staff of the company, like all the managers and the HR people and, and everybody that would have a say in it. And yeah, I just send out the meeting and, and yeah, my, my heart was racing that day, the whole day, I like so nervous because I was the new guy there. Some even have never met me and then I'm going to pitch like, oh, send me away for a year. And, uh see what happens and then i did the presentation and the way i set it up was was quite nice too and and the ceo loved it like he brought it right after i was down and i said okay i have one on board and as soon as like he was on board all the other people were like this is great this is look good for the company it's it's very like very futuristic and very cool nobody has heard of it like working from all over the world and yeah then they said like cool, go for it. And then I had two months to get everything ready for the journey. Wow.
2: Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah, this is this is really, I mean, it's so cool that you're, you're like fresh in there, but you got the science and I think that's important as well that you, you read the science like, wait, this, this cannot happen. Like the CEO just jumped, jumped into our to our office the day after I had the reaction. Right. So it's, it's really nice that that you did take cues, but I can imagine like, the 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 excitement it's kind of like this nervous energy when you're like in in the new job you're like the new person and you have to pitch like an idea like this right and I mean Diego in, in Suriname I don't see that going quite as nicely for most people so I think it's it's a very very interesting concept and I I mean you're talking about four years ago 2018 so it's it's really interesting because the first time that these things became popular, these were like project-based, right? Like go to a remote uh, location and then it would be a project for four weeks or for two months. And that was this, but it was never remote year for like a whole year. So that's something I really think is really cool. But Diego, you had a question about this.
1: Yeah, no, I was about to ask, if you look back now at a pitch you did and with everybody there, Was there anything in particular that you think that was the, the hook that everybody, aside from the CEO saying, yes, that got everybody, oh, it makes sense. It it clicked.
0: Yeah. So, so one of, one of the things that the company was known for and, and the CEO really liked is being innovative, so doing something new that, that other, other companies not have and one big problem also in the netherlands is hiring um, talent so hiring with developers there's a lot of developers there there's a lot of it people but hiring those good like innovative creative developers that's that's something really really difficult and if you're a company that says like oh come work for us we have a developer that's working from somewhere in, in thailand and doing that for a whole year, that's a good pitch for the company. And that's what I said, like I'll post it in social media, I'll post on LinkedIn, that same group in Rotterdam, sent me out and, and work and it, it will bring
1: developers to the same group. So I think that was the, it, that, was basically that was the boy to make the job there, look sexy and attract talent. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Very, very, I would say, but,
2: but yeah, but one thing. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do have to ask the question. When you pitched it, like, where are the people that were like, "Wait, I want to do this too"? Did you get that reaction? Oh, I, that uh, that's still the reaction that I get
0: from from everyone on, up until today. Like, how do you do that? Like, and they say like, "I, I want to do that," but then they have like a husband or a wife, they have kids, and they have like a whole family and a whole thing, so they they cannot afford to go like a whole year. And I I think, like, honestly, deep down, they also don't want to do them. Maybe, maybe they do, but but I don't know, but it's a, it's a big step and yeah, you need, you need like to have the whole life set up for that. Yeah. But of course there, everybody still asks me like, or tells me like, I want to do that too.
1: So just to quickly get this out of the way then, embellish it more. Who is remote working not for?
0: Yeah. So that, that, that's a, that's a good question yeah while while traveling and and while working I also talked to a lot of a lot of people about this and 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 some people really don't like the remote work they they like the office they like to meet people at the office and yeah just like the little small talk the little coffee talks and and yeah they they enjoy that and other people they they like their stability so to say and their like routine they know what's happening every day so they get up get their maybe yeah just just have their have their whole routine go to work at this hour do this do that get that specific brand of of coffee like while you're traveling and you're in maybe in sofia bulgaria and you want like a dow after coffee yeah you're not gonna get that you're you have to like and then you're there for a month right? So you need to get what there, what's available there. Maybe you don't like that copy. So you need to be very flexible and very adaptable to every like different situation and every obstacle. So if, if you're a person that likes their set of things, then, then that's also not true. And if you have a family, of course it's, it's difficult to do that. And I also won't recommend it because it's, it's good to spend time with, with your kids and spend like family time if you have that. I wouldn't say like go out for a year and, and go on in a wild adventure.
1: Speaking of these wild adventures. So you've been from South Africa to Sofia in Bulgaria, as you mentioned, to the East uh, Japan, Kyoto. And is there any, th- any location particular in mind that you're like, Oh, this, this is perfect for remote working. Like the, the people here are nice. The, it's It's affordable. And you know you, you you do your work and then just just can live life for the next few hours. Well, is there anyone that stands out?
0: Yeah, there's 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 a couple. Of, maybe I can go through the itinerary a, a little bit, like those twelve, those those twelve uh,
2: months. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'll, go ahead. Yeah,
0: I'll I'll highlight the one that 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 speaks out. So yeah, so I kind of even if I if I go back to the story that I I kind of so I had two months to prepare everything. Um, I was not used to traveling except for the Netherlands and, and Suriname. Like that's the main route we used to travel. Like if I go on vacation, it would be Suriname. I didn't know anything about any other country. So I need to get, like, needed to get like visa for specific countries. I didn't know anything about that. I need to get, needed to get vaccines, things like that. Got two months to do everything, but yeah, eventually got it all around. And then I started in Cape Town, South Africa. So. Flew down to Cape Town, South Africa, and there I would meet also, because apart from me, there were 40 other people that did the exact same thing because it was a program. So you travel with this group of 40, four, zero people, like all over the world, like in that exact same group and all people like me, I met amazing people like in that group. I still have contact with most of them because we all had like the same idea, the same mindset. We we wanted something new outside of that comfort zone, something um, exciting, something adventurous. So went there, Cape Town, South Africa, and then met up with with all of them. And then, yeah, that's, that's a great place also to, it's, it's, it reminded me a lot of Suriname, the workspace also that they gave us was quite nice. And it reminded me of Suriname because of the nature. There's a lot of nature. People are friendly, people are chill. People are cool and relaxed in the Netherlands. Usually when you're, when you're working there, the people are chill and and cool and relaxed, but it's still different, you know, like the day-to-day conversations, like it's it's a little bit different. So South Africa definitely was nice and relaxed and, and people loved the story. And then from South Africa, we went to to Lisbon, to yeah, Lisbon, Portugal. And then from Lisbon, Portugal, we went to Spain, Valencia and then Sofia, Bulgaria. But Europe still was something I was I was quite used to, and also good for working, good for re- remote working. Eventually, I ended up um, living in Barcelona, Spain, th- this last year. That, that's great for for remote work. And then, yeah, Sofia, Bulgaria, which was kind of strange to me. That was the first time I kind of uh, saw like different, a uh, completely different language. Like you you would go to uh, another country, and you would always see like letters you would like recognize like this is a this is a b but then you go to sofia bulgaria you come into the airport looking for your luggage and then there's all these signs of like you don't know what the it's like russian russian letters and i'm like looking at it and we're looking at each other and like some of us also didn't there were a lot of people from the u.s also that never have left the country the u.s and we were looking at each other like how are we going to do this whole year Without even knowing what the science is and going to the supermarket in Sofia, Bulgaria, like looking for, looking for cream cheese, for example, like in, in, in English or Dutch, you would know, like, okay, this is cream cheese. But there you see a whole bunch of stuff and you're like, okay, what's cream cheese? Like, how are, how are you going to? Be? So, so then that, that kind of stuff was really different for me. I kind of got used to that, but it, it, it was tough, but. Really where I think really shines for remote work was, was the next itinerary. So after those four months, we went to Asia and we started, we started in uh, Vietnam in Hanoi. And then we went to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and then Kyoto, Japan, and Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, I think it was, yeah. And yeah, which one stands out to me from all of them is definitely Japan. It's just like, it's a whole other thing, anything. Is, and especially for IT, I was amazed by everything there in, in, in Japan, like the details that they have. For example, yeah, like like the, the sliding doors in, in Europe and, and here, we were used to the sliding doors. So you walk and then it slides open and, and then it closes. But sometimes when you're like close to it, it opens and closes like all the time if you're like in line and the line is like at the door. But in Japan, they have like a button for it. So you go you press the button and it opens and closes, and it's super small thing and super tiny, but it was so handy because it doesn't like just open and closes um every time and like it, it's just it's a silly example, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff in Japan it gets really cool and high tech, and everything is super clean
2: and then you get to the final four
0: four more yeah and and then yeah. And then we go to the final four. So from from Japan, we went to we started in Peru, Lima, and then we did Colombia, Bogota, um, Colombia, Medellin, and then we ended in Mexico, Mexico City. And, and that was the whole thing. And but South America also. What, what I'm going to say about South America, like in Suriname, there's I think there's a big misconception of what South America is like. If if I, if I tell the people, oh, I went to South America, and then the first thing they ask is, did, did you not get robbed? Did they not, like, kidnap you? I'm like, no, no. And I've even heard people asking me, like, if they see in your passport that you went to Colombia, don't they ask you questions? I'm like, no, they don't ask me questions that I've been to Colombia. It's a great city, and I recommend everybody to, like, explore South America, explore the continent that we're living in, Because it's it's great it's great for travel great for tourism also great for remote work and so I
2: think I think in Colombia a lot of things changed because I think fifteen years ago if you would go at night you would you would still see gunshots and those kind of things and I think it has they have completely shifted everything around and it's kind of interesting like in your year that uh, if if there's one country you spent two months it's it's Colombia which is really Right. It's, it's really interesting. But the question I have for you, like most, most of the time when you have these kind of experiences, there's a point during that year that you're doing a remote work at a location and then the thought pops up like, whoa, I can't believe this is real. Like where, where did you get that, that feeling that you were like, wait, this, I'm really doing this. This is insane. Yeah, the first, the first time that was in 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 Cape Town, San,
0: South Africa, the workspace was just amazing. It was, it's definitely one of the coolest workspaces I've seen. And I remember like that first day sitting there, just looking into the, into the room and seeing those other, other, we call each other remotes, seeing those other remotes also um, working. And I looked around and it was just like a surreal moment, like This is, this is possible. Like you, you can work, you you can do your job like, like this and yeah. And, and just be even more productive than, than you would at the office, because there's nobody that comes to your desk, like asking you this or asking that or interrupting, or you, you're just like in your own space. It's like how you, how you want it to be. And, and yeah, you, you work there when you want. So I think it's really nice. And, and the other place, yeah, would be Asia, Vietnam, like Hanoi. That was really a culture shock for me. Like Hanoi is one of the most insane places on earth. There's like stuff happening all the time. Like when you walk the streets, there's like scooters, like racing, but you cannot like cross the street like normally because traffic never stops there. The way you cross the street in Hanoi, Vietnam is you, just walk and traffic goes around you. And it's not joking. They when I when we were in the airplane, they told us that's the way you cross the road. And we were like, Yeah, right, that's that's not possible. But yeah, traffic doesn't stop. You just need to go. And I can remember a, a point, it was a super big, like four lane, four lane highway. And me and I friend had to cross the road. And we looked at each other like, How oh, are we gonna do this? And she said, I, I don't think so. And I'm like, yeah, let me hold your hand. Let's, let's just like go walk and, and see. And we just walk and like everything like moves around you and you cannot stand still. Eh? Like the moment you stand still, you're in you're in problems. You need to like go and walk.
1: <laughs> that <that's laughs> sounds scary, but kind of it, makes sense because everyone is already programmed to, to do it that way. So exactly something exactly. unexpected. So th- this brings me to a little bit of a, the social aspect because as you said you you have your own hours you work alone you, you focus on work in a space but you're there with other remotes so how was the social aspect because i assume it was the same group that went from country to country yeah. right yeah so how yeah. was the social life for you the social aspect that was it within that group or did you meet people in in those cities that oh very nice in a bar or something what was social life?
0: Yeah, like the social life was was pretty, what, what you would expect from 40, like 40 individuals in their 20s and 30s, because like it, it started from 25ish up until like the 30s and the 40s even. Yeah, so yeah, we, we made connections, we made friends and also like networking was a big thing. I, I learned a lot about like, different companies. How they are set up, also a lot about freelancing and things like that. But we were, we were, what, what we've heard, we were a pretty cool group. So to say, there was not a lot of drama, and we not a lot of this and that. But in certain groups, indeed, if you put forty individuals together, you 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 get some drama. And yeah, in the community itself, also. But I, I wouldn't say that was like the like overshadowing the experience. It was there, and. Other people just had like a laid back approach. There was some drama, going on. don't deal with that. And yeah, but it, it, it was, it was a thing. Yeah,
1: sure. And now you're back after the program ended. Did you, how was the reception back at your job or what did you do? Cause I think at our talk last Sunday or, or no last Friday, you also mentioned that you actually ended up working for this company that, that yeah. the program, right? So what happened from then after the program ended and now? Yeah,
0: so yeah, yeah that, that was quite interesting. So we we did this whole year together and then the deal is, okay, you've done the year, now you go back into your normal environment, your old job, you go back to the office and go on to do other things. And that was also my plan initially, So I went back to the Netherlands and then, yeah, I had to go back, back to the office, back to the, to the safe job and back to normal, (laughs) back to, yeah, back to normal. Indeed. Like, like what what we're, what we're gonna experience soon, like back, back to normal. But what I experienced, like the normal for me had changed. Like I've seen so much of the world i now, met so many people, saw so many opportunities also, because. Yeah. When, when you travel all around, you see like all these kinds of opportunities and and things like that. And I, I just, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Like couldn't fit in anymore. I, I I wanted to go again to that instead of going back to, back to, to normal. So it's, I wanted to like proceed on and and see how, how, how far, how far I I could go. Yeah. Eventually I I left the job at, at Centro, even though they send me all around the world, but it was just not um, a thing anymore, so I quit. And everybody asked me like, "Why did you quit? You're crazy!" Even my my parents and family. And I said, "I'm, I'm going to look for something else." And yeah, and, and they they said to me like, "It's super hard to find another job in in the world, and especially a remote job. Like people are not going to give you that." And I said because I, I yeah I, I made the step already to to quit that job and then and see from there. Kind of a a bold and not a good move, I would say, because finding that job that I wanted, it took it took a while. I would have interviews each week and each week they would say like, no, that's like remote work. It's not going to work. Um, we're not doing that in the company. There's even people that said to me like, yeah, i like, it's, people are never gonna hire remote workers. To, to so, job just to comes. clarify,
1: this was after you quit from SIM? Uh, yeah, after, after. So then you apply for other jobs again?
2: I, I have to ask yeah. the burning question, though. How did the CEO take it? I mean, like, you convinced him to do this, like, and then you coming back and like, that. how did the CEO, did he ever talk to you about it or was it like, he it, there was no conversation?
0: Yeah, that's, no, there, there was a conversation and I, I, I did. I did thank him, but it was also, um, like we did, we did like a project also. So that, that whole year also in, in the company, we did a project and we launched that project. So it was also, also like project wise, it was a, a good moment to,
2: to, to. So the project with, uh, itself, the project itself was a success.
0: The project itself, and even we won an award for the, for that project, What we
2: what, what we did. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So
0: yeah, so, so it, it was pretty cool. And I, I think they they were satisfied, but yeah, completely how, how they felt about it. I don't know, but yeah, there, there was no way to, 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 to proceed like in that same setting. Yeah. So I, I went on new interviews, people talk and like, I, I was chatting with, with one, with one recruiter on, on LinkedIn, like I'm looking for a job for, for a remote job and this and that. And he said, I need to call you right now. And then he called me and he asked me like, why, why do you need a remote job? What are the benefits? And then I, I, I gave him the benefits. Like I could do my own workspace. I can like, I can like schedule my own time. I avoid like things like traveling to work because in Netherlands, I was also stuck in traffic for two hours a day. And then it's like 10 hours a week. That was like, so, so much time. Wasting there and and all those things I, I I spoke to him about and he said like yeah no that's it's not gonna it's not gonna be a thing in the Netherlands we people meet you in the office and need to see you face to face and I I can remember this vividly and I told him like no you watch in two years or three years from now this is gonna be a normal thing that I'm doing right now and he said like I was and he said like yeah. I'm a recruiter. I know. So yeah, Anil, uh, but yeah.
1: Anil is a very huge ambassador for remote work. And he says, once you go to remote, you can't go back to the office.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's a thing. It's, it's a thing. not completely true, but, but, but we'll get into that. Yeah. But yeah, to, to, to finish out
0: the story. So eventually, eventually after a year of looking for a new job and my family also telling me like do it, you need to go get back to work. Like you cannot keep doing this. So eventually I found this company in Spain called ThoughtWorks. This is a software consultancy, pretty huge, multinational, pretty cool company. If you know about agile development and, and Scrum, etc., this company ThoughtWorks is founded by Martin Fowler, which was one of the people that wrote the agile manifesto. So agile and Scrum was like pretty huge in, in ThoughtWorks pretty amazing company, but it was half office job. So, and I wasn't sure them back then. And they said, Hey, do you, do you want to, do you want a job here in Spain? We'll buy a ticket for you and we'll, we'll make sure you have like housing and stuff. And then it was like February, 2019. So I started talking to, to them. Um, like it was like right before the pandemic, was it 2019 or 2020? It was sorry, sorry, it was yeah, it was 2020. Yeah. So, so I started tapping to them in De- December 2019. And then
1: yeah. You got there right when the pandemic started, basically. Yeah. So
0: yeah, they they sent me a ticket. I, I went there. I did an interview there in, in that week. They hired me. And I was a, re- a remote worker, so all I had was a suitcase. So they asked me in, in February, like Do you need to go back to the Netherlands or to Suriname to get your stuff and and come back? And then you can start the next month. And I'm saying I said, no, I got my stuff with me. I can just start right away. I started right away next week, full lockdown, no office work, everybody working remote. So yeah, that's sorry, and that's how I get got back into remote work. I I kinda gave up on the dream of doing remote work, but because of the pandemic, I was kind of forced back into doing remote work at ThoughtWorks, an office job. And yeah, from there it started, Spark started again to do fully remote and yeah, quite, quite interesting.
1: I have one, I guess, question about the the program, because Devin says, dang, that's a thing, right? And usually people don't know it's a thing, or as you said before, you either need to have a a job that's well paid. So, what range are we talking about? Uh, budget for someone that wants to do this?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Then a little bit about about the, the the program work. Let me start like this. So, I I did ThoughtWorks for eighteen months, and but I was still in the community of of remote here. This company that brought me this year, because we're in this big community of two thousand plus remote workers. Because every time new digital nomads. Join the community. So eventually they wanted to hire developers. And eventually I got a job at, at, at Remote here because during the pandemic, the company kind of shut down. They, they kind of went bankrupt, nothing. So they went bankrupt. Like all the people that were traveling with that company just got stranded where they were. And then eventually stuff started up again. They got like new management. They got now a company called um, Selena. They, Those That company does hotels all over the world, bought Remote here, and now they have new management. And now they want like an in-house development team. And I'm one of the first like in-house developers that, that joined Remote here. But also coming with that new change of management, they also offer different packages. So they have now the 12-month program. That's what I recommend though. That changes your life completely. But then again, they have like the four month program right now. So you can do four months and you can even do a one month program. So if you want to come into community and just do a one month program, that's available too, and they have like retreats and and so they have like all kinds of different stuff right now. But, and I don't know the prices from the top of my head, but it's around the 2,000 US dollars a month. That includes your, your flight tickets. That includes your accommodations that includes a place to work in each city. And that includes like events and access to the community. So on in all, and all if, if I, if,
1: yeah, so go on. No, I, I, I I'm doing the, the math and if, if he, you average oh. like seven Ethereum, something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But, but if the, the
0: way I did the math was like, I was living in an apartment in the Netherlands where I paid around 1000 to 1200 around euros, around one month. So I kind of sub, sub net that apartment. So that's already at 1,200 to a 1,000 I saved. Then I had a car which you pay like a couple of hundred dollars for a month and then gasoline and all that kind of stuff. So you save from that. And then, yeah, then, then you pay for the work. So it kind of, it kind of evens out. And then there's a lot of costs in your life that you can, just save on, like if if you put it all together, like for example, gym memberships, memberships to this, memberships to that. And yeah. And, and, and life in the Netherlands is pretty expensive because they travel to cheap countries like Asia, Thailand, where you can get a meal for $2. So I don't know, it, it, it kind of balances.
1: Yeah. It averages out to substitute. Yeah. for for here, it would be a bit more challenging, but yeah, for in the Netherlands, I I could see it being pretty. Affordable, actually.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, and and for for the U.S. too, for here, yeah, yeah, a thousand
1: mm-hmm. So, So look looking at you. Do you think uh, I'm looking at the time? Shall we do some quick over under? And yeah, let's
2: finish it off with some over unders. I think that's a good good way to close off. So as
1: you said before, you don't want me stealing your topic, so let yeah. let's do th- okay. two each. Oh, so awesome.
2: awesome. let's do two each. So basically, say what we're gonna do is. We're going to present a topic to you and you tell us if it's overrated or underrated. And if you want to elaborate a little bit on the choice, you can do so as well. So my first pick for overrated, underrated would be WordPress.
0: I would say still a little bit underrated. Yeah. I think it's a pretty cool software, especially for people that are just starting out and they just want to experiment with something, I think it's I have used it also for a couple of websites. It's, it's pretty quick. It's easy to set up. It has a great community. That's also important because some of the things you, you pick don't have that great com- because you always end up in situations where you have to figure out something and like how to style a button or how to put a button some places. And then you have the, the community that really is there to, to help you out. So I I think, yeah. People should use it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. We we use WordPress for ourselves. And Shan, uh, look, I think you guys started a program with that also, right? To kick kickstart.
2: Yeah, we we did a create your own website. But I think I think it's it's without proper, like you need to have somebody who has at least a little basic knowledge of, of how a website works. It's like you can start off at zero knowledge. You do need more than zero knowledge, or you need a lot of exactly. patience. A lot of patience to watch a lot of YouTube videos. Then it works as well. But it, it you do need somebody who's at least a little bit tech savvy. If you don't have anybody tech savvy, yes. it's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a long ride. So I I'm yes. actually I think it's properly rated just because there's so many WordPress websites in the world that have never been updated, like they have been built once yes. and then have been completely forgotten about. Yeah. So I think it's it's properly rated for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can see that. But also because I promote it a lot. So for me, it's hard to say it's underrated for me because I promote it a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say it's properly rated as well. It, it's easy enough and it's it's pretty mainstream. So But
2: I'm happy f- I'm happy to hear from a developer that's yeah. that it's a little underrated.
1: So that for me that's so, definitely a good thing. Uh, did you want to add something, Saif? or can i add?
0: um yeah one, one more thing i want to add is like one thing about wordpress is that um it's super flexible like you can build like all different kind of websites with not just like a static or a blog or you can build whatever so that's also super cool all
1: right since you mentioned in the beginning it's basically facebook ads that got you in this program so facebook ads overrated or underrated <laughs> now like 2021
0: that that that's it that's uh that's pretty cute I'm, I'm not I'm not like super for the ads, indeed, they kind of bug me, but on the other hand, they do give you something like you're looking for. There's a couple of times there that, that, yeah, it, I don't know if it's spying on you or what, what it's like looking at your cookies and stuff like that. I think if you, it's a tool to use, you know how to, you, you need to know how to use it properly because it can give you the information that you're like looking for but it can also also like bring you into like strange places or kind of force you to, to to buy into a certain product. So be be careful and and be mindful of it. But in terms of overrated and underrated, yeah, I would maybe go with with the property rated. It's a very powerful tool. I would say today, like if you start a company, if you launch a project,
2: you need to do it. You need to do Facebook ads. Almost, you know, all the time. Okay. I'm going to show you a little curveball. Public transport. Is it overrated or underrated?
0: Oh, I would say definitely underrated. People need to use more public transport. Yeah. Coming from Suriname, a car is like, that's the first thing. Like when you turn 80, you get a car. Also always my, my parents, my family, you need to get a car. You need to get a car. Why don't you have a car? But yeah, here in Suriname, I can see like you, you need it, but everywhere else in the world, like Barcelona, you don't need a car. You can do everything by public transport. And if you do need a car, you can rent a car for a weekend or for a week and you do your thing. You break the car, you leave it there. And yeah, something like that. Yeah. But I would say like, and it's healthy too, public transport, walking.
1: Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, so underrated, that was right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Last one for me. And then Chandu can close us off. Do, do you all agree with me or no? Yeah, I actually
2: agree with you. Yeah. The, the thing with it is, is also, I mean, one of the things that is underestimated, which you kind of briefly mentioned is also being stuck in traffic. Like if you're a driver, if you have to drive your mm-hmm. on your way, the commute to work, the, no, but the commute to work, you can't work. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things. Like, if if you have to drive yourself to work and that drive is like one hour to work and one hour back and you're in the car driving, yeah, you can multitask, but please don't do that. Whereas if you think of the train or the bus, you could be like thinking like, oh, I need to fix that. Let me write that down. Let me note that down. Let me quickly send a, a message to this person because I need that fixed before we start our weekly meeting. So those kind of little things, it's like. It's like where you're like, oh, do I really need it? And then of course you get into my situation, for instance, where I have to bring the kids to school or or to, to, to to daycare. So I do understand that there in a certain situation in your life, it might not be the most practical, but if I could live without having my own car, I would definitely do it. But now that's a good point. Like kids, if you have
0: kids, I I think a car. It's is pretty much a necessity. Yeah.
1: at a family uh, uh, benefit. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Final one, Bitcoin, overrated or underrated?
0: I would say still underrated. Yeah. And also still not a lot of people know like what it is and, and why it's so popular and, and, and what people like, what, what problem it tries to fix. I think that's the, that's the main thing people don't understand, like why? Why do we have Bitcoin? Also, what it is, today, people don't understand. But why, why it is there, it's also uh, pretty important. And yeah, I think more people should um, research it. More people should uh, dig into it. Because the more people dig into it, the more research people do about it. And the more people get involved, the more stable it gets, the more popular it gets. And the better it gets for ev- everyone. Like Because the only thing that like can break it is like if everybody stops using it. But if everybody keeps on using it and keeps on promoting it, it, will become even more powerful.
2: Could you guys, and I think this is interesting for you as well, Diego, could you guys imagine a scenario where people would just abandon it?
1: As a collective, you mean? Like,
2: yeah, like people would just completely abandon something like Bitcoin.
1: I don't see it happen organically. and. Probably a worst case scenario would have to be an apocalyptic situation where the whole world gets hit by a solar flare and everything gets shut down. And that's the only (laughs) pragmatic reason I'd see that it gets, you know, thrown out. But that means the whole world resets. In a sense, the whole economic system resets. And I'm glad Saif mentioned the why. People need to understand not just what it is but why it's there and I think that is more important than just understanding it what it is it spirals a thought process and research into actually how the broader world works economically especially yeah
0: exactly exactly I, I think it's always always important for people to understand the the why of something like what 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 problem does this thing solve. And and if you, if you know that, then then you can, then you have a better understanding.
2: Let's go full circle on this. So to close it off, what's the why of a remote year? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, for
0: me, it's like um, coming out of that comfort zone. Like most people, including me, at a certain point, I was very comfortable with, with what I was was doing, I knew exactly, yeah, what I would do, but like remote chair gets you out of that, gets you into the world. And then you discover things about yourself also that you would not have known without it. Maybe you enjoy yoga or you like a certain type of thing or yeah. Like you, you, yeah, during that adventure, there's things you learn about the world about yourself about the environment that otherwise you would not have
1: known got it now i think this was a really fun conversation and we we could go on a bit because uh, at the end we've awoken some other topics like who this is interesting to talk about but we'll keep it at this for now we appreciate you coming on Saif and sharing your experiences because not many people know or you know even think about the remote working. Yeah, now it's pretty common locally to work from home, etc. But working off from the other side of the world. It, it's, it's another huge step again. So thanks for sharing that. Thanks, everybody for tuning in. If people would like to connect with you or with the remote work, how, how could they reach, best reach out or want more information?
0: Um, yeah, I, I go by the handle Saif Bicham, as you, as you see here. I have that on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all, all, all social media. It's the exact same handle Saif Bicham, or you can just Google search it Saif Bicham and yeah, you'll find me. And then thank you to also, it was very nice to have it. Talk. Very yeah, well-organized, good on time, good quality, nice questions, nice atmosphere. And yeah, if there's another topic, I'm happy to
2: do it and again. Awesome Saif it's been really really been a pleasure to have here it was a very fun episode for us I hope that people that watched in live but also the people that are listening to the audio version uh, as well are have enjoyed this we are gonna close off this session the audio version of this session will be available this weekend on all streaming platforms and of course let's thank everybody who commented who shared Their information in the comments. Saif, once again, thank you. Diego, thank you again for an awesome social confos. This was Social Confos. See you back next week. Same place, same time. Thank you.